0: So speaking of vegetables are sexy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, so what was it like being part of like the largest emergency feeding program pretty much ever set up by chefs? You were there for the first time around in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. I know some of those stories, but just kind of relay, you know, what that's like. Because so many people now, I mean, literally thousands of people across the country donate to World Central Kitchen, which is freaking awesome. It's amazing. Uh-huh. But you were kind of at the beginning of people knowing about it, you know, Yeah. even it, though World Central Kitchen was around right, before that. Exactly. But it, this was kind of like the world knowing yeah. that this is what Jose and Think Food Group are doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the company started as D.C. Central Kitchen many years ago and and then evolved into World Central Kitchen pretty much after the earthquake in Haiti. That was that was really the big transition into um, that uh, NGO. And um And then Maria happened, the the hurricane in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And Jose's book, We Fed an Island, if you haven't read it, tells really detailed, great account from his almost his storytelling of of the that experience. And so that is a perfect example on on like if you really want to know what happened, there's a lot of really good detail in there. Now, that's also coming from jose's perspective which is very high level um dealing with the government and fema so there's a lot of good information there but what it doesn't go into depth was was the was was the people on the ground no don't get me wrong jose was on the ground he was hand delivering everything that he Mm -hmm. could but he also had to deal with government agencies so he was he was doing both so the book tells a great account for that we didn't know any of that was going on, or had all we knew was was feeding people, right? Um, so when I got there, it was about a week after the storm, maybe a little after. So there, we had just gotten into El Colegio, which is the stadium. It's used as like a, a, a basketball stadium concert, so it's a big arena, mm-hmm. right? And and it, it the the the. Story started <clears throat> literally in the in the back of Jose Enrique, his his kitchen, his front of his restaurant. They were making sancocho, the soup and just feeding people nearby. So that's where the whole start of the relief effort oh. happened. And then it evolved. Right. I it think went I read from, that in your Times San, article. It went from sancocho yeah. uh, in bowls to, OK, we've outgrown this space. Now we need to find a larger kitchen to produce because there's more people that we need to we need to feed, Mm -hmm. And that just became exponentially um, happening on a daily basis until we got into El Colegio. And that space was where we stayed um, pretty much the whole time. It then downsized as things stabilized, but for the most part, we were there uh, over a month at least.
0: And you had no idea how long it was going to last or how short no, it was going to be. You
1: were—I didn't even know. I mean, you weren't necessarily I got, prepared for it. I, I got a call or an email. There was an email sent out in the company. Uh, chefs looking for volunteers, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I talked to my wife. I said, "You know what? I, I think we should do. I think I should do this. What do you think?" She said, "Yeah." You should do it. If you want to do it, let's go. So it was it was myself. This was like the second round of of volunteers from Think Food Group. Okay. the first one went in. They all set up operations. um, And then it was time to, like, change out because you can't be there that long. You can't be there for over a month. Right. You you get tired. You know, you're literally Mm -hmm. tired and physically. So so there had to be sort of an exit plan strategy for each shift or group of individuals that that went down to to help so we were we were like phase two almost um a couple chefs here from vegas uh from Bazaar meat michael Rolone went and uh our our chef from Chino poblano at the time we had a couple from miami tito vargas who was the chef that in uh in south beach at the time um and then we all just kind of ascended on onto the island and not knowing what we were walking into Mm -hmm. um and i remember i remember taking off from miami and it was a rainy day rainy morning and we we sort of came down under the clouds as we were reaching san juan uh the airport and you could see the destruction the 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 trees were gone like literally down for hundreds of miles and houses were gone like everything was just obliterated and that was the first time I, I said, oh boy, what you know? You hear the stories, you talk to people down there, mm-hmm. but finally seeing it for the first time was devastating. And and we we got our we dropped our bags, we got you know into a, a jeep, we our car, and they took us to Colegio and and it was uh, the the machine was already running, you know, the tables of people preparing sandwiches was going, and. Um, thousands of sandwiches a day and then the and then the hotline kitchen was producing thousands of meals a day already and then we got there and i spent the day sort of we all spent the day sort of evaluating and like uh understanding our surroundings and what what exactly what is the need you know what and so what i noticed was there was a lot of I mean, it was chaos. It's pure chaos because yeah. no, but there wasn't a lot of direction. Everyone knew what needed to be done, but um, it, it wasn't organized mm-hmm. in a in an efficient way at first uh, because the need was so massive. It was just about cook as many and as fast as you can, and and let's start feeding people. So that was the initial direction, and then um, if we were going to feed the masses that we needed to we needed some some organization in this so we had we created order guides right there wasn't any order guides so you know just like you're ordering for a restaurant but instead of uh of doing 400 covers you know you need to order for 150,000. you
0: know (laughs) so crazy
1: so so you have to scale up (laughs) exponentially and do the math OK, how many hundreds of pounds of onions do we need right. for tomorrow? You know, and, and so creating that structure um, took a little while. Right. And and it and, and every day was a different challenge. And most days at the beginning were finding the food to produce because the island was running out of food mm-hmm. because we were buying it and cooking it and and serving it, producing it. So we would put in an order for, you know, 150 cases of sliced ham for sandwiches and cheese and mayo. And some days only the mayo would show up. (laughs) Some days the bread wouldn't show up, you know, but that wasn't good enough. You know, we still had to feed people. So that was that was the biggest hurdle, I think, at the beginning was was just getting food, just getting food to Mm -hmm. the island. Um, So, you know, we tried to do anything we could to bring things from the mainland, from Florida, uh, shipping crates, you know, but everything was on a delay. You know, we couldn't do anything now. So there were many mornings we ran to Sam's Club, you know, and and just cleared the shelves with whatever they had. Um, But when you got to Sam's Club, even at four o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning, there's already a line of 250 cars waiting to get in because no grocery stores are open. There's no electricity anywhere. Mm -hmm. So luckily, we became good friends with the people there and uh, they were very supportive of of the cause. And so we kind of had a little special treatment to like get in line, you know, and then we would each grab two carts. And we'd have a long line and we would literally just run through and and take what we could. Um, What was left? There wasn't much left on the shelves.
0: It's like supermarket sweep.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because you had to go fast because you had to get back fast. Right. You know, and and luckily um, there were no radios. There was no television. uh, There's barely any service cell phone service. But but people By word of mouth, we're starting to understand and know these people called chef team for California, for Puerto Rico, chefs for Puerto Rico and World Central Kitchen. And and that that word of mouth spread so quickly that when they would see us in Sam's Club, they would let us go to the front of the line.
0: That's so cool. It was
1: amazing. Unbelievable. You know, you go first and very appreciative, super thankful because everyone was either a was either t- touched f- by s- to some degree, whether it was their house that was missing or or their relative. Someone was, everyone was affected to a different degree. Mm-hmm. And so they knew um, the work that was being done. The, another amazing takeaway from that was the amount of volunteers that would show up every day. the The, the volunteers would, and again, mostly word of mouth. They didn't know where to show up. All of a sudden, the food would just arrive to these, and, and the system, the system got so streamlined after after a while. We had the assistance of the of a local, a bunch of local food trucks um, that they were our delivery system, mm. right? Because they knew the locations, they knew the neighborhoods, they knew exactly who was hit the hardest, and and so we would produce x amount of meals by a certain time of day and that first round would go to the food trucks and they would be delivering. And so and everything was was detailed and organized so we could track. So 10,000 meals are going to Luisa today by this person and they're being hand delivered to these communities and when they got delivered they would they would be recorded So we knew and Jose carried this rolled up map. I've seen pictures of that. And anytime we'd hit a new area, it would go on the map. And so it was we knew exactly where the operate, how far the operation was was being spread. And he he was the the general. He was the one spearheading this uh, expansion. Right. All we were doing was cooking. But he was the one, the visionary who was saying, okay. We're here in San Juan and our trucks can only go this far. So how are we going to feed all of these people that are not in this, in this circle, in this area? And he was the one who realized there are so many culinary schools and available kitchens Mm -hmm. surrounding the Island. Mm -hmm. We need to get there and we need to see, uh, is there running water? We need to evaluate, are those kitchens workable? And so then there, a team was formed every day they would try to hit three different cities from across the island. Uh, and, and then they would report back at the end of the day. This, this kitchen is up and running. We can get it up and running tomorrow. This one is devastated. You can't even get through there because all the trees are down. Um, and so we were able to take sort of a, an evaluation of what ones we could do at what time and prioritize. Uh, and then with the help of, of the local school, Um, culinary teams, we sort of created like a playbook or an order guide and and we would hand that over to them and we would send chefs there and say, okay, tomorrow, this is your order guide. We need you to order this and you're going to order this same amount every day until we say stop. And, and the food would either, sometimes it would show up, sometimes it wouldn't, but then there would be chefs there to, to show them how to receive the food, how to produce it, how to package it, and then how to deliver it. Um, until they became self-sufficient and we were able to, the outreach was able to happen a lot faster once that system was up and running. Mm -hmm. And then it was a lot easier to just drop in the same system on different neighborhoods, um, cities, Pueblos up in the mountains was the hardest, the hardest to reach because we couldn't physically get up there. Um, and all this is happening, you know. And it seemed like we'd been there for months, and it had been days, you know. Wow! Because uh, things were happening so fast, and the need was so great that it just it just seemed like it was going on and on. There was no end. There was no end in sight. So it was it was it was really hard, you know. It was uh, it was very emotional. Um, most people stayed in the Coliseum to cook and to produce, but if you ever made a run and we had, we had the help of, um, uh, we had the help of, of the army and, and the resources, um, tactical units who would, who would drive us into places that you couldn't just go on your own. Right. So there was a lot of really amazing individuals from the different branches of, of government that would protect us you know we traveled in certain areas with with armed guards with ak-47s you know Mm -hmm. um that would help us deliver deliver foods because you don't know what type of environment you're you're walking into uh and and so it was very much a, a militaristic zone it felt that way um and many different facets of that but it was it was a lot it was a lot to process but you didn't have time to process
0: Right. It was later. Just, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. You, it would, every day was wake up, receive food, produce food, deliver food. How can we get, how can we deliver more? How can we make more? Um, who isn't getting it? And always constantly analyzing the systems to make them more efficient, more streamlined, uh, a farther reach so that we could make sure that everyone who needed a, a hot plate of food was getting one. Um, So it was a lot of challenges along the way. But we were we really the people that were there, the volunteers that came through, we couldn't have done it without them. We're talking thousands of people would come through to volunteer every day. And so then you needed somebody to sort of direct traffic like, okay, Um, we can't just let a thousand people walk in. Right. 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 So we had to create like like stalls almost like if you're standing in line for it at the club, you know, with the. With the, ropes, with the lines like, and the ropes. Stanchions. Yeah, stanchions for real. Yeah. And um, so that there was a volunteer line of stanchions. There was a pickup line because people knew they could come to Collehio and, and pick up
2: food. Food. Yeah. X or, amount.
1: And if it was anything over a hundred meals, they had to have assigned a notarized from their community, whether it was a church or uh-huh. or uh, you know, political officer or something. So people weren't just saying, Oh, I need a thousand. Right. Right, right, right and then taking it and either eating it or selling it or distribute, you know. Yeah. So it had to be controlled. Um, and these, most of the volunteers had never held a knife before. They'd never been in a big establishment like that. So you kind of had to figure out, OK, these 10 people would be great at the sandwich line. Right. Go make sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was everywhere, anywhere from, you know, five years old to 90 years old. Everyone wanted to help. They just didn't know how. So once they got there, we let them help because um, everyone wanted to feel like they were being a part of it. They were making a difference. They were helping their community, helping their fellow uh, fellow community members. And But they couldn't all work 16 hours a day, 18 right. hours mm-hmm. a day. Of course. So we'd go in shifts. Okay, two hours, take a break, have a sandwich, bring the next ones in. Um, but there were people that would show up every day every That's
0: day so cool yeah people are are so grateful across the country across the globe you see it all over twitter instagram you hear people talking about world central kitchen and jose and dress and he's up for a nobel peace prize after going through all of this with him at the helm has it even increased your i don't know i guess your pride in working for think food group and being able to be a part of this it's honestly a phenomenon yeah how do you feel about it um overall
1: it, you know it's uh i don't know if it's it's that there's definitely pride for sure you know i knew i knew we were doing amazing we're great work um and the need was so great that it it was hard to leave it was really hard to leave but i knew i had to leave because everyone has it can only stay so long right right maybe go back for a week sort of get refreshed regenerated go back Mm -hmm. but if but to be in it that long for an extended period of time it really is challenging emotionally physically mentally Mm -hmm. because that became the norm that became every day and seeing the amount of destruction and seeing the you know, the loss and grief and everything associated with a natural disaster. It was really hard to leave because I knew there was so much work to be done. Mm-hmm. So I felt guilty. Hmm. It was weird. I felt guilty leaving. And it was it was emotionally draining to leave. And then when I got back, I didn't know what was reality anymore. Yeah, like because that was reality. And that's reality for hundreds of thousands of people they have to live that every day without a house they have to they have to know where their next they don't know where their next meal is coming from right and so i felt guilty coming back to an environment where Mm -hmm. i had a place to sleep you know i had a family waiting for me i had uh food to eat yeah and i didn't know how to process that um so at the time i i couldn't think of Things like being proud of, you know, I knew we were doing great work, right? I knew it, but I it was really hard in the moment to feel that because in the big picture, yes, we were doing great work, but in 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 the moment, there was so much work that still needed to be done, right? You know, so mm. it was really hard to evaluate the two or to 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 understand the but two. But you
0: can look back now, of and course, see that absolutely. The reaction, the result, the
1: impact, right? Because what happened there was very um, off the cuff, right? We had to, we had to react. It was all about reacting. It was, it was about um, making it happen now, starting from scratch, starting from zero structures, um, you know, everything, ordering, (laughs) producing, creating that structure. And, you know, me, I'm a very I have to have the structure. (laughs) So when I walked in and there wasn't any, I was freaking out. I said, we need to we need to figure this out now. Mm -hmm. So we got it going. You know, we got that up and running. And what happened in in Puerto Rico has set the tone for the future of of natural disaster relief. What's yeah. happening now in Bahamas, or what had happened, Most and in California? So now every disaster moving forward already has uh, a place to start, right? From a structure, from an organization, we know we're going to need tables because we're going to be making sandwiches. We know we need a working kitchen, right? So, um,
0: I mean, it seems like a no brainer that professional chefs would be involved with this, yeah. But it's also so interesting that you know it took. Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen to figure that out. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like now so many people you see everywhere, celebrity chefs, chefs from like local kitchens and everywhere. Every time there's a disaster, it could be as small as, you know, next door. It could be as small as an earthquake that doesn't really damage that many things. But people are there and they're ready to volunteer. And I think that's this is like a small catalyst that just branched yeah. out yeah. so crazy into what it is now where mm-hmm. just as soon as something happens, people are like, what is, what's Jose doing? Yeah. Like, they yeah. already think it.
1: It's amazing. And and what he has done is, uh, obviously it had never been done before right. on a level like that. Yeah. You know, and we, we came across, um, you know, the amazing people of the red cross and all of those other different establishments who are designed for natural res- relief. World central kitchen to a degree was, but all of the chefs and volunteers and participants—we never done this before. Mm-hmm. We're right. just figuring it out as we go. Yeah, and and the one thing that remained true was we need to feed people now. Mm-hmm. But all of, a lot of these other organizations have been doing it for so long. They have they had different uh, methods methods right. right, and those methods didn't always happen now. Right, and so that was Jose. His his driving force was getting the people with the resources. To act, right, and that became a challenge and his mission, and he has one hundred percent, undoubtedly changed the face of natural disaster relief, uh, because of because of what he's learned, right? What we've learned,
0: it's incredible, and and so
1: incredible. now, uh, a disaster like Bahamas happens, and we're getting he's getting the support that we didn't have then, mm-hmm. because. He's now created the new playbook. He's created the new structure right. on how this needs to look moving forward. It's not about bureaucracy anymore. It's He's about feeding everything. the people. Yeah. Right, and the our, people comes uh, first. Exactly, and our 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 mantra and our uh, what the company is based and founded off of is changing the world through the power of food. And mm-hmm. Jose has been that has been saying that since the beginning of Think Food Group, and it has taken on a special new meaning now. Uh, more than ever Um, it has evolved that saying has evolved over the years but now it rings true and it rings true to the millions of people that World Central Kitchen is touching and helping right and he is he is absolutely changing the world through the power of food
0: it's there's not a person I believe in the world that deserves the Nobel Peace Prize more than Jose Andres Mm -hmm. it shouldn't even be a question at this point
2: totally agree he's made such a big impact on like just history right yeah relief he just totally changed the tangent on how it's done so it's
1: amazing i mean you asked me a while ago about how uh, how is it that i stayed this long and and i look at the i look at other people in the company who've been there 20 years 25 years 18 years so much so much longevity in our company and 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 it's that it's that We have a visionary out of Jose. We have a true leader whom we can rally behind and and be there for. And and we want to be a part of it. And I can't imagine doing anything else because uh, there's so much more that we can do.
0: All right. It's time for on the fly. 60 seconds. Rapid fire questions with Chef David Thomas. You ready, Chef? I think so. Hope so. Ready? Go. Cat or dog person? Dog for sure.
2: Food you can't live without.
0: Uh
1: my wife's chicken tortilla soup.
2: Ooh, surprising. Biggest pet peeve in a cook.
1: Um, messy.
2: Hmm.
1: Messy shoes. Shoes, yeah.
2: Yeah, shoes. (laughs) Shoes. You can tell a lot about a person by looking at their shoes. Okay, best tool for your job. Pencil. (laughs) Favorite wine grape.
1: Hmm. Pinot.
2: I knew you were going to say that.
1: Did you? Yeah.
2: Dream place to travel and eat.
1: Oh, Spain is always a good one. For sure.
2: Favorite
0: activity in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah. Other than eating.
0: Oh, right. <laughs>
1: Restaurants, yeah. Right?
0: Something outdoors. Come on. Yeah. Hiking for sure. <laughs> okay. Well,
2: you were going to say Kung Fu. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard you know Kung Fu. <laughs> Best place to grab a beer.
0: Hmm
1: it really 60 seconds yeah best place to grab a beer my house i actually want to
0: know this childhood favorite food
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) um we didn't have a lot of awesome things growing up
0: you grew up in wisconsin where my husband grew up yeah
1: yeah i did milwaukee
0: area Uh uh-huh
1: so yeah maybe cheese curds i was
0: gonna say cheese curds cheese or curds bratwurst. are great or i'm in david's head yeah for some reason i just knew you're gonna say pinot because pinot noir is my favorite game
2: great. cheese <laughs> curds are great and the you were squeakier also- the better uh-huh. yes you know that.
0: i like the deep pride oh ones.
2: yeah for
0: sure okay so one last question i want to ask you before you we sign off is you said you have a recommendation for a book that you think is interesting that people could
1: Oh yeah. Let me pull it up because I want to make sure I get it right. Yeah, it's so, got kind of a
0: long title. Yeah, yeah. the,
1: the um, <laughs> Time management. It's an awesome, awesome book. It's called Fifteen Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management. And it is uh been it was interviewed over Over 239 entrepreneurs, Olympic athletes, 29 straight-A students, and seven billionaires. And so all of those different people in one book, it's an easy read, super fast, uh, but they all got awesome tips on how to manage your time properly. It's a great book.
2: Great advice. I I need need this for my like seven, eight jobs right now. You need it. Yeah, I need
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) You really need it.
2: (laughs) Because I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a nap. That, that that's me right yeah. now yeah yeah a
1: cat now you can now you know how to manage that nap time
2: appropriately <laughs> samurai nap uh-huh. <laughs> this is gonna recharge <laughs> me with a power of like eight hours of sleep but yeah so cool. chef dave we're gonna give you a chance to
0: sell it for whoever you want to because you're chef david so you can sell for whoever you want
1: uh i have to go with world central kitchen world central kitchen for sure number one seller uh donate worldcentralkitchen.org wck.org um there's never a bad excuse to donate to world central kitchen because it's doing amazing amazing things around the world
0: chef david thank you so much yes thank you for having me this is such a great episode yeah this call is the me episode. back anytime this We're is the episode so, i got a lot yeah. more
1: stories you are yeah. so
0: stoked thanks for listening to two sharp chefs in a microphone We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard,
2: please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie,
0: we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86 Till next week.